Wow! Wow, wow, wow! You look beautiful! <laughs> you know, we have not had a She Unites event in a few years. And it is so awesome to be back. And you have come out in force today. And it is so wonderful. So glad all of you are here today. And you know, maybe for some of you, maybe this is your first time to a She Unites event. So let me just take a moment and tell you that She Unites is simply about that. Women uniting, women of all ages and from all backgrounds and different stages of life connecting together and carving out time to connect with God, to meet with him, to have an encounter with him. And we just believe that no woman should ever do life alone. And so we are a sisterhood who believes in each other, who value each other and encourages and supports and cheers each other on. Yes. At our core, we are a united sisterhood. And I want you to keep that at the forefront of your minds and hearts throughout the course of today. So that during our brunch break, during all the different opportunities you have, that you recognize that the other women around you are your sisters. And I want to encourage you to take time to initiate getting to know your other sisters that you may not know yet. And I know that when we purposefully, intentionally connect with others, our lives are so enriched as a result. So I encourage you to do that today. And you know, it is so awesome to me that we have sisters in this place who have just come from all over. We have women here today from San Diego, from LA, and everywhere in between, even Canada. My friends, so glad you're here. <laughs> and it's so awesome. And I also recognize that we have lots of churches represented here today. And we're just so glad you came. Thank you so much for being here. And we have numerous lead pastors and pastors' wives who are here today. And that is an honor. I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. So glad you are here. And I know that there are many people in this place today who have never been through the doors of the Bridge Church before. And it is our honor to host you today. So glad you came. Can we just welcome all of our sisters in this place today? Awesome. Well, I know that we are all looking forward to hearing from Christine Kane later today. But right now, I have something in my heart to share with you. <clears throat> and I have to tell you, I am so excited about today. And we are still at the onset of 2023. It is still January. 
We are at the onset of 2023. And I believe that today's a significant day because I believe that God wants to speak to all of us in a very significant way to launch us into the year that he has for us and into the future that he has for us. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says that God has good plans for us. He has a future and a hope for us. And I don't know what 2022 looked like for you. I don't know what the past few years have looked like for you or even the past few days. But what I do know is that God has a good future ahead for you. And sometimes we can think future. Oh, that means 10, 20 years down the road, maybe five years down the road. The future is the rest of 2023. The future is tomorrow. And maybe you have been wondering what in the world 2023 is going to look like. Well, I am here to tell you it is full of hope. God has plans to bless you and to prosper you. He has plans of purpose and fulfillment for you. He has better plans for you than you have for yourself. I want that to sink into your hearts for a moment. You know, I think we can all say that the last few years, the last three years specifically, have been a little different, right? We've seen some different things. We've seen some crazy things. We have seen some things that we'd never seen before and never expected to see. Is that right? I know that the last few years have brought challenges for just about everyone. And I know that for many people, it's brought great difficulty. But I have to tell you today that over the last few weeks, as I have been praying for today and praying for all of you, one day when I was praying, God gave me a picture And he spoke so clearly to me, something that I believe is a word from him for all of us today. And that is this, that for many of us, these last few years have been like the house that caught on fire. And when those flames broke out, chaos, panic, and fear broke out, and we've all seen that in our world. But then once those flames got put out, then there's embers that keep smoldering for a while. And we've seen embers smoldering, haven't we? But even when those embers die out, everything that remains is covered in ash, right? And soot and the stench of the smoke from the fire. But I believe the Spirit of God is saying to us today, it is time to shake off the ashes, to let God wash the stench of the smoke of the fire off of our lives. We have been carrying around the ashes of the past for too long. 
And I don't know what the ashes look like on your life. They'll look like different things on all of our lives. For some people, it may be fear. For some people, it may be heartache and pain. For others, it may be discouragement or disappointment. For some, it may be frustration and distraction with all the chaos of the world around us. For some, it may be self-absorption because we were so disgusted with things that we just took life into our own hands. But whatever it's looked like for you, it is time to shake off the ashes, to be free of the ashes of the past. And just like that house that has burned down, eventually that house will get rebuilt. But when it gets rebuilt, it doesn't get rebuilt just like that old house. It gets rebuilt and everything is new. New design, new technology, everything is brand new. And I believe the Spirit of God is saying to us today that he wants to rebuild, restore, and renew our lives to position us for the future that he has for us. So you might be sitting there thinking, that sounds great, but how in the world is that going to happen? We would love it if God had a magic wand, wouldn't we? We'd love it if he could just wave that wand over our lives while we're sitting back eating bonbons. But (laughs) it doesn't happen that way. If we want to walk into the future that God has for us, it's about partnership. Relationship with God is partnership where we do our natural part and he does his supernatural part. And I am so thankful for his word because his word gives us Wisdom and guidance and instructions to know what our part is. But not only does his word give us instructions, it gives us examples of people who have walked it out. And I don't know about you, but I'm a visual learner. So I love those examples. Those examples help me a lot. And there is an example in the word of God that I have been coming back to over and over and over again for the past several months. An example of a woman who had been through it. A woman who experienced loss, who experienced heartache and disappointment. But God walked her into a future of purpose and fulfillment beyond her wildest dreams. And I am talking about Ruth. Ruth walked into a future of purpose, a future of fulfillment without any ashes of the past lingering on her. And we can too. And so we're going to look at her life this morning. And we're going to learn some lessons from her. What was her part? What did she do to walk from a place of pain and disappointment to a a place of purpose and fulfillment? So I want us to look at a few scenes from Ruth's life today. Maybe you're not familiar with the story of Ruth. That's okay. 
I'll share with you a few scenes from her life, and we'll learn a few lessons together. The first scene I want us to see really sets the stage. You see, there was this couple, Elimelech and Naomi, and they lived in Bethlehem, and they had two sons. But famine broke out in the land, and so they sold everything they had, and they moved to Moab because the drought hadn't impacted Moab yet. So they get settled there in Moab. And after they get settled, Elimelech dies. So here's Naomi, left with her two sons in this foreign land. And then her two sons marry women from Moab, which, by the way, was really frowned upon because they were considered heathen, godless people. But they married them, and after some time, both sons died. Can you imagine Naomi's pain? She lost her husband. She lost her two sons. And then she makes a decision in the midst of her pain, and she says, I'm going back. I'm going back to Bethlehem. And her daughter-in-laws, they're with her, and they say, we're going with you. And she says, no, this is where your families are. This is where you can find a husband. This is where you can build a life and be assured of a future. And they're saying, no, we want to go with you. And I can just visualize the scene. And, and they're in a huddle. There was a very close bond between them. And so I just see them in this huddle with tears and hugs. And finally, Orpah, one of the daughter-in-laws, she says, okay, I'll go back. I'll go to my family, I'll stay, I'll, I'll go to my family, find a husband here and build a life. But Ruth had a very different response. And I want us to look at her response in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, we'll start. It says, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. The first thing that we can learn from Ruth's story is that she pursued God. She pursued God even when it was hard. Ruth saw an opportunity. She saw an opportunity to discover more of God, to go to a place where people knew God, where they worshiped God. You have to realize that Ruth is a Moabite. Her people did not follow God. They were idol worshipers. They worshiped an idol called Chermosh, which means dunghill deity. They were considered cursed people. But despite Ruth's past, despite her upbringing, despite her pain, she chose to pursue God. And this was no easy or little thing. This meant that she would have to give up a lot. Actually, it meant that she would have to give up everything. 
She left her family. She left everything that she had ever been taught about God. She had to let go of that because she'd been taught about a false God. She left all her friends. She left the people she had known all of her life. She left relationships with people who did not know God to go to a place where she could align her life with people who followed God. She let go of the certainty of finding a husband. She most certainly could have found a husband there in Moab and had a future there. But she had no idea what Bethlehem had in store for her, if she would even be accepted and welcomed in that place. She left everything she'd ever known to step into something new and completely unknown. What an incredible step of faith Ruth took. And did you listen to those verses? Not only did she say, where you go, I'll go, and your God will be my God, but she said, that's where I'll die. That's where I'll be buried. She did not leave any crack in the door to return to Moab. She was fully committed in her pursuit of God. I want us to think about ourselves. What do we do when challenges hit? Often it's easier to cling to what's familiar and uncomfortable, isn't it? To cling to, oh, you know, those friends that they're going to pat us on the back. They're going to feel sorry for us. They're going to jump into the pity party with us, right? That just feels so good. Our human nature loves to hold on to pain and anger and feel sorry for ourselves. But very often, we need to realize that when we go through difficult things in life, too often we withdraw from God. But that is not what Ruth did. She chose in the midst of her pain to pursue God. Pursuing God isn't always easy in the challenges of life. I know. I remember in the greatest challenge of my life, the most difficult season of my life, when I felt like my world had been ripped out from underneath me, I didn't feel like pursuing God. I felt like feeling sorry for myself. I felt like digging a pit and jumping in and wallowing in self-pity. But I knew that that was not going to get me into the future that God had for me. And so I remember days when I would push myself, talk to myself, give myself a good talking to. And I'd push myself to open my Bible. And I remember reading God's promises. And you know what happened? As I read God's promises, hope came alive in my heart. Faith started rising up in my heart. And I started believing and being reminded 
of what God was going to do in my life. It was the promises of God that brought me through that difficult season. Sometimes we have to push ourselves to pursue God. Pursuing God isn't always easy. You know why? Because there is a devil that's real. And he is the enemy of our souls. And he does not want us to walk into the future that God has for us. It's up to us to choose to pursue God even when it's difficult. Pursuing God may be opening your Bible. Pursuing God may be pouring out your pain and talking to him. Pursuing God is listening to him. Pursuing God is getting in church, going to the place where we know we can find God and be surrounded by other believers. There's many ways that we pursue God. But even when it's hard, just like Ruth, we can choose to pursue God. If we want to experience the future God has for us, we cannot afford to let pain, disappointment, discouragement, frustrations, or feelings of being overwhelmed keep us stuck. Ladies, it is time. Shake off the ashes of the past. Let God wash the smoke off of our lives and pursue God regardless of how we feel. All right, let's look at the next scene of Ruth's life because now she goes with Naomi and they arrive in Bethlehem and you have to realize that Elimelech and Naomi, they sold everything. So they're poor, they have nothing. And Ruth says, okay, I'm going to go into the, the fields and glean so we can get a little bit of grain to eat. And she goes into this field that's owned by a man named Boaz. He's a godly man. He extends great kindness to her. And he says, stay here in my field and glean. I've told the harvesters not to harm you, not to touch you. You can drink from the water that they draw from the well. And in response to his kindness, let's look at Ruth chapter 2 and verse 10. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? When it says that she bowed down, it literally means that she bowed down as in worship, demonstrating deep gratitude. The second thing we can learn from Ruth is that she had a grateful heart. How about us? When we go through difficulties, when life doesn't go quite the way we want it to, do we always have a grateful heart? Sometimes it's easy to lose that heart of gratitude. It's easy to just be angry and bitter. And it's easy, even when good things do happen, to say, well, it's a About time something good happened. I deserve that after all I've been through. (laughs) Not that anyone here would ever do anything like that. (laughs) 
was not the case with Ruth. That is not how she responded. Ruth proves that no matter what we're going through, we can keep a heart of gratitude, a heart that compels us to worship God. I am telling you, a grateful heart is powerful. In her life, her grateful heart actually opened the door and brought about even greater favor from Boaz. He invited her to eat dinner with the harvesters. He made sure she had plenty of grain to take home to Naomi. Gratitude brought about favor. Gratitude will compel us to worship God. A lack of gratitude keeps us focused on all the negative, all the pain, all the disappointments. But when we make that switch and we take on a heart of gratitude, gratitude is vital if we want to see the ashes and the stench of smoke washed off of our lives. Gratitude can change everything. I know from firsthand experience. When I told you about that season of my life, I remember one day, very specifically, when I had pushed myself to open my Bible. I remember I was sitting on my bed, and I was reading my Bible, and I was reading the Psalms. I loved to read the Psalms in that season because I could read that David was going through such difficult things, and it just made me feel like, oh, I'm not the only one that's ever gone through anything difficult. But what I noticed as I read was that over and over in the midst of David's pain, he worshiped God. He thanked God. And I remember sitting there and I closed my Bible. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to think of everything I can be grateful for. And I'm going to tell you something rose up within me. And I literally could not stay seated. And you might think I'm crazy, but I don't care. I jumped out of my bed and I started jumping around my room, shouting, God, I thank you that I have a roof over my head. I thank you that I have electricity. I thank you that I have a car to drive. I thank you that I have running water. I thank you I can put gas in that car. I thank you I have a job. I thank you that I have limbs. I thank you that I have hair to brush. I thank you that I'm your daughter. I thank you that you see me, you left me, and you haven't forgotten about me. And you know what happened? The Spirit of God came over me and heaviness broke off of me in that moment. Gratitude is powerful. I want to ask you today, have the difficulties of life, frustrations, disappointments diminished your grateful heart? We all have so much to be grateful for. All that God has done and all he is yet to do. We will not move into the fullness of God's plans and purposes for our lives without a grateful heart. One last scene from Ruth's life I want us to look at. Here they are 
in Bethlehem now for a bit, and Naomi knew their culture. And she knew this law of the kinsman redeemer, which meant that someone could redeem what was lost. Specifically, it meant that if a deceased man's land had been sold out of hardship, that the closest male relative could buy that land back for the family. However, there was a catch. It also meant that he would have an obligation if there was a widow whose husband died before they had a son, that he would marry her and give her a son. And that son would not be considered his son. That son would be considered the son of the deceased husbands so that he could become the heir to that land. All right? Now, Naomi knew this law. And she says to Ruth one day, Okay, honey, it is time. It is time for us to find that kinsman redeemer. And Boaz is our relative. So here's what you need to do. Take a bath, put on perfume, and put on your best clothes. That was her marriage, sure. Finding a husband advice. (laughs) Any of you looking for a husband, there you go. And then Naomi tells her, okay, tonight Boaz is going to be at the threshing floor working with the grain. And when he goes to sleep, you wait until he goes to sleep. And you go in and you uncover his feet and you lay there at his feet. And Ruth says these very powerful words, I will do whatever you say. That may seem simple, but those are powerful words we're going to see. So she goes, she does exactly as Naomi instructed her. And Boaz wakes up, and in Ruth 3, verse 9, he said, Who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Boaz knew exactly what she was asking of him. And he said... Okay, there is one relative closer, and he has the right to fulfill this role. First thing in the morning, I will go and talk to him, but if he is unwilling, I will gladly fill this role. The thing I want us to see from this scene of Ruth's life is that Ruth had a willing heart. One thing I have learned in life is that Willingness and surrender really go hand in hand. Let me tell you what I mean. She was willing to listen to this godly wisdom from Naomi. But in order to act on it, that meant that she had to surrender some of her own ideas, her own dreams and wishes possibly of a younger husband, because Boaz was up in years. She would have had to surrender fear. She's already lost one husband. It could have been scary. 
going into this situation, asking him to marry her, being an older man. She would have had to surrender some of her own ideas. She would have had to surrender some fear. You know, it's one thing to say we're willing to be uncomfortable, but to surrender our comfort zone is another thing. Can you imagine how uncomfortable this would have been for Ruth? Asking Boaz to marry her. And you see, according to this law, the man really should have been the one to initiate this. But nobody did. So she became vulnerable. She went into this place. She asked him to marry her, a foreigner. She would have had to surrender. So many things going on up here. I mean, surely she had to be thinking, why would he want me? I'm a foreigner. They consider my people cursed people. He, he wouldn't want to marry me. Can you imagine all the thoughts she would have had to surrender? But her willing surrendered heart opened the door for the next thing God wanted to do in her life. And the same is true for us. You see, we never move into the future God has for us without a willingness to act on godly wisdom. Let me ask you a question. When you ask someone to do something and they repeatedly don't do it, do you think they're unwilling? (laughs) Yeah, right? Someone in your house? Could you clean this up? They repeatedly don't do it. Oh, they're just so unwilling to do it. You know why that is? Because willingness is demonstrated in action. But when it comes to ourselves, God, I'm so willing. I'm so willing. I'll do whatever you say. I'm just your willing vessel. And I think sometimes we get so preoccupied with ourselves and our lives and our pain and our disappointments that we don't do it. And God's sitting back saying, oh, really? Hello? Take action any day now. I'm just waiting. You have no idea what's on the other side. Willingness is demonstrated in action, and that action often requires surrender. Are there any steps God is asking you to take? Anything he's been asking you to be willing to do? Anything you know he wants you to surrender? I mean, surrender is not always big things. Sometimes it's the little things in the course of every day. I mean, I know there are things every single day that I have to surrender. Sometimes it's just not getting my own way. Being willing to say, it doesn't have to be done how I want it to be done. Sometimes we need to surrender something in our schedule to make time for something else, for someone else. Sometimes we need to be able to surrender a little bit of vanity. Whatever the case may be, there are things every day. There are little things. There are bigger things. I know for me, in that season of my life, God asked me if I was willing to forgive. That meant some surrender was necessary. That meant I would have to surrender some pain, some anger, Unforgiveness. 
that I really wanted to hold on to. Because we feel justified in that, right? But I said, okay, God, I'm willing. But I don't know how. You're going to have to help me. And he is so good to help us. And in that process, I am going to tell you, I found healing from the pain. And he walked me into a place of freedom and forgiveness beyond anything I knew was even possible. And that process with him propelled me into greater purpose and fulfillment than I could have dreamed he had ahead for me on the other side. I want us to think for a minute what was on the other side for Ruth. You see, it wasn't just a one-time decision she made to pursue God. She didn't just have a grateful heart. But in the midst of her pain, she chose not to stop. She chose to continue to take steps and to be willing one step after the next. And she walked into a miraculous future. Boaz became her kinsman redeemer. They were married, and they had a son named Obed, who became the father of Jesse, who became the father of David, from whose lineage came Jesus. You see, Boaz became a picture for all of us of who Jesus would come to be as our redeemer. Ruth's life was rebuilt, restored, and renewed. She found fulfillment of dreams. She found family. She found provision. She found purpose, fulfillment, and joy. And the way she walked life out, even in the midst of her pain, not only affected her life, but it greatly affected Naomi's life. Because this child, remember, it wasn't considered a child of Boaz. This child was considered a child of Ruth's deceased husband, Naomi's son. Naomi now has a grandson. What would have been impossible because her sons had died. God did the miraculous because of how one woman was able to walk life out in the midst of her pain. Not only was Naomi's life impacted by Ruth's steps, but all of our lives are impacted as well because from her lineage came Jesus, the one who is here to redeem us, to rebuild, restore, and renew our lives today. There is one thing that we have to notice that we can't miss in this story. And that is that none of this would have ever happened if Naomi, in the midst of her immense, heart-wrenching pain of losing her husband and two sons, if she hadn't chosen to return to Bethlehem, the place where she knew she'd find God and be surrounded by people who knew God. I want to tell you, you don't have to get over your pain before you come to God. You don't have to clean off 
the ashes and the smell of the smoke of the past of your life before you come to God. All we need to do is move towards him, even in the midst of our pain, our questions, our disappointments, all of it. Maybe today you've recognized some ashes that have been lingering on your life. Maybe they've come recently or maybe they've been there for years and years and years. I want to tell you, when we make these simple choices like Ruth did, God will bring healing. He is the healer of the brokenhearted. He will restore. I am living proof that our God is still a restorer today. He will bring peace. He will bring guidance. He will bring everything we need. And he will wash the ashes off of our lives. Isaiah 61 says that he will give beauty for ashes. No matter where you're at today, I want to tell you, if we choose, even when it's hard, to pursue God, to keep a grateful heart, and be willing to take one step after the next, we will walk into a good, hope-filled, purpose-filled future that God has ordained for each and every one of us. God has better plans for you than you have for yourself. I want to pray for everyone in this place today. I want to ask you, would you just stand to your feet right where you are at? And just before I pray, I want to read this verse to you. Psalm 139, 5 and 6 from the Passion Translation. David, talking to the Lord, he says, You've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you followed behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. You have laid your hand on me. This is just too wonderful, deep and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. Father, right now I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you understand us. Just like you understood David. You understand each and every person in this place. You know everything they've been through. And your hand is upon them. You've already gone into their future. You are right there behind them. That the past will not harm them. Father, we thank you for that. And God, right now, you know any ashes lingering on their lives. And Father, I believe your Holy Spirit has already brought things to our attention today. But God, we want to see everything you want us to see. Ladies, in your own heart, in your own words, just ask God to show you what ashes might be lingering upon you. And Father, right now, God, we lift those things to you. God, we don't want to carry them a moment longer. We want to leave them at your feet right here, right now. And God, I am asking that you would heal 
broken hearts. God, that you would strengthen, you would encourage women's hearts in this place right now. And God, I pray that a determination would rise up in our hearts to leave the ashes here, to leave them at your feet, to shake free from all of it, that we can walk forward in your freedom. And God, I pray that every woman in this place today would have a determination in her heart to pursue you no matter what, no matter how hard it is, to keep a grateful heart no matter what's going on around her, and to continually be willing to take steps forward. And God, as we do that, we know that you will open wide the windows of heaven and lead us into the wonderful future that you have ahead for us. We praise you and we thank you for it, God. We trust you fully. We love you, Jesus. Amen.